Hello, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Before October of 2020, I was not a podcaster. Now, I have recorded hundreds of episodes featuring incredible guests, created tons of helpful content, and have consistently generated thousands of downloads every month since I began. I'm just a regular dude trying to share a message, and now I'm ready to show you my process, my successes and failures, and everything I've learned along the way to help you start your own podcast. Together, we'll explore the entire process of having a podcasting idea and take it all the way to publishing your first episode and explore all the steps in between. Then, I'll give you all the tools that you will need so you can record as many episodes that you want to release after that. Podcasting is one of the most enriching skills I've ever added to my life, and I've learned a ton by talking with some of my heroes and sharing it with anyone who wants to join us on our journey. So, sit back, grab a notebook, take some notes, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Hey, hey, this is Casey Ruff, and welcome to episode six of season two. Today, we are speaking with Mike Cavanaugh. Mike is the best selling author of a few books, including Coach's Plan, and he is the host of the Fueled by Impact podcast, which I have been fortunate enough to have been hosted on recently. Mike has been hosted on our primary podcast, so be sure to check out Mike's amazing story and inspirational episode of Boundless Body Radio on episode 190. Mike, welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. It is good to be back with you. So great to have you, dude. We were talking a little bit offline as we were just getting started. And it's kind of fun. Like you have podcast guests that you come on and you talk to them like, wow, that was great. Really inspiring story. Really enjoyed hanging out with you. And I know I probably won't get to talk to you again with you, man. I I loved your episode so much and, and getting to do your show was so much fun. I have been so much looking forward to chatting with you again. You are definitely somebody who is not just a person that I don't want to just talk to once and have that be the only time. So I'm so glad we get a chat today. This is great. Me too. That's awesome. I really love your um, podcast, which we're going to talk about. You just released an episode um, that has, you know, it's <laughs> your podcast doesn't have anything to do with poetry, but you released a poem that I absolutely love. Can you tell us about the Finally Back Home poem? Yeah. So, and that was a, a re-release. <clears throat> I had put that out a while back, um, actually like early in the pandemic. And it was just like something that I was inspired to write. And I don't really do much of, of that writing poetry, but, um, and I actually created the music kind of backtracked for it as well. And it was just something that came to me and I put it out there. And I remember when I put it out, I thought, oh gosh, you know, this is so strange and unique and different. And I wonder what the reaction is going to be from people since it's going out via podcast channel. And then I was, I was really blown away by the response to it. It was really, people really uh, enjoyed it. And it was almost like a great example of you should definitely like just listen to that inner poll, regardless of what it is, even if it seems crazy to your mind, because I never would have guessed in a million years that that would end up becoming my most listened to, most appreciated episode of all the uh, first podcast episodes. 
Well, I listened to it twice. The first time, I didn't realize that it was a re-release from an earlier time. And and really, it was so impactful to listen to it the second time and realize that it was written during the pandemic. I mean, there was a two-week block that literally I, I, can't, I have no memory of. It's complete blackness. Right after my wife and I were both placed on unemployment, I, I had no memories from that time. And just thinking like, what are we going to do? You know, being all panicked and, you know, reading the news and learning what was going on in the world— it, it just it gave it more impact, I would say, to, to listen to it the second time and recall some of those times in the beginning when everything was so scary. That's cool. That's, That's cool. Very well written. I love it. I'm glad you included it and re-released it on your podcast. We will definitely link it in the show notes. First question for you about podcasting. I heard you answer this question recently in a podcast. Why do you podcast? What is your you know, reason for doing the show that you're currently hosting? Oh gosh. Well, don't call me out on if my answer's already changed since you re- <laughs> heard, heard me answer it. You know, well, so obviously you know that I, I've, I've started one podcast and then I sort of migrated my efforts to a new podcast. And so my, my reason for doing podcasting kind of changed along with that journey. I think my, you know, when I started off, it was probably similar to some of the things that got you going. It was, I felt like I just, I love podcasts. I want to learn how to do it. There was an aspect of wanting to start to build a community that was maybe aligned around this vision, this entrepreneurial vision that I was headed toward. And then also for me, my initial go at it started early pandemic. And so there was just this desire. I wanted to put some more positive messages out there because I felt like there was a lot of doom and gloom. But then when I shifted gears and the recent podcast, Fueled by Impact, my, I questioned it because I was actually at that point where I was starting to waver as to whether or not I wanted to continue with podcasting. I didn't know what to do with the, with the other show. And I had uh, a, a guest I know you, you have on coming out on your, your podcast as well, Jay Worthy. He and I had this conversation and he really was largely the inspiration for me getting me over the, over the hump. And a lot of what he said was, look, this this is a great way to connect with people and particularly interview style podcasts is just, it's such a great excuse to reach out to really cool people. And so that actually became probably my bigger reason for why, along with just the message of the podcast itself, which is just trying to serve as a catalyst for people to take a risk, to follow their heart, to to do what, what they feel called to do. Mm. I love that. That's a great answer. You have a particular talent in finding people, um, I would say, who are not like household names, but they have amazing stories to tell. Jay being a perfect example. I didn't know who he was until you host him on the show, and you were able to unlock some things about him and his life that I found super inspiring, and I was so grateful to reach out to him and also, like you said, host him on our show coming up soon. How, how do you find some of these peoples, and how are you able to help share their story so effectively? Well, I find finding people has been a mix of things and I don't know that some of it is just, you know, you find you you listen to people, you hear them as a guest on another show and you really resonate with them. I've definitely poaching poaching some of your guests as well as <laughs> that. So uh so it's partly that and then there have also been people who just come your way, right? Once once you're on somebody says, "Oh, you know what? You know who would be great for you? You should really meet this person." 
And so that's been part of it. And I've, I've been lucky enough to just meet people along the way. So for me, it's been, I actually find that to be really hard. I know there are people who are much more, they spend probably more time researching and trying to find guests. And I feel like I don't actually have as much time or at least don't wish to devote as much time to the tracking people down. So I've been more following whoever I happen to come across. And it's just been, I've been fortunate enough that I've had enough of a flow of those people that I've been able to to keep that going. Mm, I love that. You do such a great job of getting them to tell amazing stories as well. And I do think that all of us have some kind of a story to tell, some experience, something to share. I, I want to know a little bit about your first podcast. Can you tell us a little about why you decided to start the first one, what the format was, and why eventually you decided to kind of either jettison it or at least leave it where it is for the time being? Yeah, a lot of that. So the the first podcast is called Back to the Breath. And it's uh, it was a, a largely about personal growth and development as well as spirituality. It was heavy. I, I've been a meditation and breathwork teacher for many, many years. It was something that I kind of did on the side along with, with personal training and, and other things along that, uh, along those lines. And I, I just, that was right at the point where I was going through my own career transition and that coupled with the pandemic, I knew that where I was headed entrepreneurially was going to be more back in a certain domain that was maybe health, wellness, spirituality focused. And so I thought, well, while I'm basically at home <laughs> in the pandemic without a whole lot to do and without being able to go pursue my plan A, which was a, it was going to be like a brick and mortar, I'll say like a holistic wellness facility. And so that was clearly not going to be happening early pandemic. And so I thought, well, is there anything I can be doing from home that can be at least broadly aligned with that? And there was just this desire to be somebody who was who was trying to cheer people up in a time that that there was a lot of fear and anxiety that was circulating. So that that was the reason why I started the show. Why did I kind of pivot? Um, that actually was also then aligned to the entrepreneurial thing. So it became pretty clear to me that pandemic was going. It was going to be a long time before I was going to be able to maybe be that my plan A wellness center thing was out of reach. Uh, for at least for the time being. And so I had to rethink what I was going to do for income. And I was really eager to still remain entrepreneurial and not to just say, go back and get a full-time job. And so I did pivot entrepreneurially. I did some more uh, things that were kind of bridging the gap between my past, which was largely corporate leadership, um, as well as then combining that with more of the self-improvement um, areas and domains that I really love. And so I felt like it made sense to then try to create a podcast where guests that were brought on or more like entrepreneurial uh, people who are trying to make their passions a reality. And so that just felt like it felt like I needed to sort of migrate any kind of creative endeavors that, to align with the direction of where I was trying to take my own business. It reminds me a lot of your book, Coach's Plan. You approach your interviews and your guests not as like, hey, I succeeded at this. I'm here at the top of the mountain. You you peasants down there, like this is what you can do to you know succeed and climb the mountain with me. I feel like I'm 
with you. Like, I feel like you're going on this journey and learning as you're going and changing things. Why is it so important for you to be vulnerable and open about that? Well, I, I think for starters, I think I've never fully bought into the, uh, this, the story of people who kind of make it and then that's it. And now they have all this wisdom to share. Um, it's not that there, there aren't those stories and it's not that there isn't great wisdom that people have kind of gone the path and have achieved a certain level of success that they don't have a ton of insight to share that they do. And I think there's value there, but I think often what happens is you get to that vantage point. And I think it's easy to maybe forget all of the, the things that happen along the way. And it also can be sometimes a little bit easy to take credit for a lot of the success that, that could be actually some luck or things that factors that maybe you aren't even attributing enough weight to that, that were really actually very important to your success. So for me, I almost feel like the truest form of, of this is if you can share things along the way, then people are right there with what you're learning. They can take their own lessons from it. And you aren't necessarily like, Hey, I'm the guru on high that, you know, telling everybody what, what the, what to take from all this. It's much more about them being able to take what they want to take from it. So that's part of it. And then also for me, it's also just like, I, I feel like there's something therapeutic about the sharing of your journey. So, um, so something that I, I find a lot of value out of personally to keep me going. I love that. Such a great answer. I can't guarantee I wouldn't do the same. The day I get my lucky break, and you'll never hear from me again. I'm just going to ride off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. That's great. One of the things that you've learned along the way is involving formats. I mean, you have experimented with all kinds of different formats, short form, long form, the interviews, the solo shows, poetry, like holy smokes. Can you tell us a little bit about what you have learned as far as the formatting of your show, you know, how that's changed over time? Yeah, I can. Um, should I should I play a little bit of a of a reel real quick to give people a flavor for that? Yeah, that would be amazing. All right, let's let's do that. Here we go. Clip reel. Beginning with narrative. So, what do you do? I am a physician. I'm an interior designer, and I do remodels. What do you do? I'm a third grade teacher. Mind telling me what you do? I'm retired. This question plagued me for much of my working life. And if what you happen to be doing for work is not what you want to be doing with your life over the long run, that's a label or a definition that you don't want to take on. Here's podcast host Jay Worthy commenting on this. One of the things that we typically default to in society, I think, is you say, hey, what do you do for a living? And it's such a strange question uh, for me today because my life is filled with lots of different things. Solo cast. But I thought that the best way to bring this season to a close is to get personal. I want to talk about my own path with these questions of passion and purpose. Other slash random. We woke and opened our eyes to find a strange and mysterious place, this world, an unusual thing, this life. Beauty and wonder, terror and sadness pain and strife. We longed for a joy, a joy we must have known once before, but we lost it somehow. We lost it somehow. 
And finally, interview. And the How to Make a Podcast podcast uh, was born. So first of all, I love it. And also great name. And <laughs> <laughs> thanks for appreciating the goofy name. Dude, so I'm, I'm sitting around. I'm not, I'm not like ideating or journaling or anything. It's like Friday night. I'm chilling out watching Netflix, just like everybody else. And... All right. Wow. There we go. <laughs> I'm glad that that actually worked. I love when technology works. <laughs> That's amazing. I wasn't expecting to hear me on my own show. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, and I, you know, the reason why I wanted to do that, and this is not like a heavy plug for my show, I actually feel like a lot of what I had to say about the experiments and formats comes back to probably a lot of lessons learned where, or mistakes, I would say, that I've made. Um, and so, you know, what, why I was experimenting with formats largely was more just like this creative itch that I wanted to scratch. And also to see, is there, is there something that I could create that maybe would be a little bit different or unique since obviously there are so many podcasts out there and it's not always easy to crack through and, and, you know, get through the noise that's out there and, and be recognized in any way. And so, so I think that was kind of like why I went into it. But what I learned from it was that, boy, there's a, a very different amount of effort that goes into different formats. And uh, some of them are just not sustainable. And if they're not sustainable, then you probably shouldn't pursue them because a huge part of being able to keep a podcast going and to make it successful is just this like steady drumbeat of releasing content. And it's got to be good. It's got to meet some level of threshold for sure. But if you aim a little bit too high, which I've done in certain ways, then it can actually just slow you down. It can be something that you can't keep going. And at the end of the day, you're way better off having a good steady drumbeat of consistent quality content than something that, you know, comes episodically, randomly, and uh, very infrequently, even if you're very proud of it. Wow. Dude, I am so glad we are going here with this conversation. I really, really wanted this podcast to be very practical and, and show people like underneath the hood what's like truly going on. So the, the reel that we listened to, was that in chronological order of the way you used to do things versus the way you do things now? So it was um, not in chronological order, but so the way it went was I did, I, when I when I started off my first podcast, I started off solo cast because it was just easier to do. And then I started bringing in guests, um, not a ton, but a few guests. And that was kind of learning how to do guest format. But when I got to now, once I kind of knew the ropes and I felt like I was more proficient at editing audio and cutting things together, and I'd done a couple experimental things, I actually wanted to launch something like where I started that podcast reel with. So something that was a little bit more like narrative format, but incorporating other people's voices and points of view in. And I launched one episode like that. It was the very first one of the season of Fueled by Impact. And it was like a 10 minute episode. And I'm very proud of it. I love the episode. But man, the amount of time and energy that I put into that one 10 minute episode was like as much, if not more as I would maybe on any other episode, maybe even twofold. And I was just very clear that it was going to be biting off more than I could choose. So I never ended up doing another one like that again. 
Wow. It sounded like it was very highly produced. Were you doing all the production yourself? Yeah. And I think that's probably why it was unsustainable because wow. uh, just like music plus having uh, enough, uh, say like quote tape from, from different guests and things. It's, it's just a lot. It's a lot to try to pull together. And I love that, but I think that's the reason why like you could listen to a, you know, a Gimlet media type podcast or, you know, this American life or, you know, whatever they have like a teams of people pulling together that stuff. And so it's awesome. It's highly produced. It's really engaging, but when you're just getting going or you're a one man show, it's that that's not realistic unless it's your full-time job and it is not my full-time job. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So what software were you using to do all that editing? I use audacity. Okay. Um, steep learning curve. Have you used it for a lot of years? So I had a little bit of experience with it, um, years ago. And, uh, and so then when it came to doing the podcast, I just went with what I knew. And also because obviously, cause it's free open source. Um, now that being said, I, you know, if you, if you're go- going to go through the process of learning something, it may actually make more sense to, you know, go with a different package because you're going to be learning it anyway, but you're absolutely right. I mean, very steep learning curve. And I spent, you know, a long time, including recently with the, with the new podcast, whether it's on YouTube, learning things or, you know, just any finding, finding resources that can help you. Hey, how do I do this? How do I do that? But it was something that I was happy to invest in because I also had, I knew that I was going to want to release uh, books and audiobooks too. And so I wanted to make sure that I had that capability because if I was going to be doing that stuff myself, which I subsequently have, it was like I, I was getting a return on that time investment in more ways than one. Yeah, that sounds like you're really capitalizing on what you in, in, you know you needed personally. Tell us a few of the things we we mentioned a few of them, but let let's talk like details. Like where where were you getting the most time savings? Um, was it was it not cutting in audio or you know other you know exogenous audio audio that comes from outside? Like you talked about the sound clips. Was it the music? Like where were you saving the most amount of time to the point that you can be more consistent with your podcast now? Well, so I think um, the the idea of trying to pull together multiple different sources, um, whether it's from different interviews that you've done and splice them all together, that's like a very complex editorial because then there's like a storytelling aspect and then you got to go find the right clip and put it together. So that that would have that's something that like tripled or quadrupled the effort. I think the music if you just keep it simple and kind of intro outro, like most people do that works really well. You don't have to recreate the wheel every time, but when you're actually trying to find a particular song that fits or is like, has the right kind of, um, say like has the right feel for whatever it is that you're trying to do, which I've done in uh, as kind of background tracks to a couple of my podcast episodes, even just hunting down and trying to find the right track. I mean, you know, like even looking for an intro outro, which you reuse repeatedly, you probably spend a lot of time doing that. But, but uh, if you're trying to do that every single time for a different episode, that's really time consuming. So those are like a couple of the things, but I would say um, things that I didn't do that I would do going forward is continuing to kind of get more comfortable with, a little bit less produced and a little bit less edited. So 
you know, if there's like very bad background noise or things like that, okay, get rid of that. But there's probably some times where I'll clean things up in, you know, just people like you might have an interviewee who has is smacking their lips a lot or they're you know they're saying they have some verbal tick or something and I try to I feel almost like it's my responsibility to like make people look good um if they're coming on my podcast but I think that there's that, that you spend a lot of time doing that as I, as I'm sure you know and so it's actually better in in many ways from a sustainability standpoint to just get comfortable with let that stuff go and just, you know, don't do as minimal amount of editing as you can, unless you're aiming for something different. I mean, obviously if your show is going after something and, and that return on time investment is worth it for you, by all means go ahead. But in my case, I think I've, I've kind of, my eyes are bigger than my stomach in terms of production quality and I have to keep backing it up. And I would even go like one step further, Casey, like you, you record in one shot, you don't, I, I was do I, I still do this, do like an intro beforehand or after after the fact, but it's not all in one shot. And so even those little things add a little bit of time that I'm not sure like you can you can hone your process and take out and saving five percent here, ten percent there makes a huge difference in the long run, which I think you're a great case in point of that. You are able to put out so much more content. Um, and still have a really good quality content without without sacrificing just by making some really smart decisions from a process standpoint. Mm. Well, I'm like you. Like I used to take the time to edit out all the ums that I would say until I realized I say um twenty thousand times an hour, <laughs> all the time. And so that's that takes a lot of time. You're right. I love the idea of making things easier on yourself. Is there anything else that you've refined over time in your process? Well, an easy one, but I ditched video. I tried that as an experiment for a while. And that was talk about another one where the the amount of time that I was spending editing video versus how many people come in. So that, that was one of them for sure. Um, but I would say the, the one thing that, that I, I do think is worthwhile that can save a lot is if you do, if you do the planning upfront, if you're, if you have a good, um, if you have a good, say, like topic list of what you want to do, if it's a guest interview format, or if you have a rough outliner script, if you're doing a solo cast, so you're going in prepared so you can do things in one take. If you prepare your room and make sure that there aren't going to be, you know, crazy noises and things that are going to pop in, uh, all those types of things, I think make a really big difference. If you're able to kind of avoid all of the things so that you get as clean of a take as possible, then the amount that you're forced to edit because it just doesn't meet your threshold becomes lower and lower and lower and lower. And that to me is like the name of the game at getting better at this over time. I love that. I'm so glad you mentioned getting better over time. I was just going to ask you about the process. What part of the podcasting process have you enjoyed the most and which have you disliked the most? I think the things that I've enjoyed the most were, um, even though I kind of maybe in a way criticizing or saying it's mistakes made around over-investing in quality and production quality and things like that. There is an aspect of that that for me was like creatively uh, enjoyable. And so I, I can't say that anytime you learn something, even if it's not something that you continue, I, I don't think it's, it's never time fully wasted. 
But so for me, I, I actually learned, I liked coming up the learning curve. I liked going from, I've never recorded a podcast. I know nothing about it. Need to research, find out about microphones and software and all this stuff. And, and then, you know, can I create something that is like my heroes create out there? Can I, can I make something that sounds just as good? That was actually like a really enjoyable process for me. And I think the other thing that's been extremely enjoyable about the whole process of podcasting for me has been the connecting with other people. And I mean, it's been super fun for me to get to know people who I never would have crossed paths with had it not been for podcasting either because they've been a guest on my show or I've been a guest on their show. And so that's been really awesome. I think the things that I don't like now, um, I, I've definitely, I, I've started to feel like the editing is is more work than it is enjoyable. So there's there's certainly an aspect of that. I don't love all the kind of post-production posting and and then trying to get the word out about it. And then even like the the guest the guest aspect, I, I it, it's a mixed bag because it can be really time consuming. It depends on how you do it. And so I love the fruits of it, but sometimes I can tell that the amount of work that you have to put in to try to snag people can be more than <laughs> than I would like. I'm not like a particularly great networker networker. And so um if there was a way to kind of I would love I would love to have more flow to me <laughs> as opposed to having to go pound the pavement. <laughs> Those are really good points. I really love how you approach things. I love that you enjoy the process. I think a lot of people just want to arrive at whatever they think they want to arrive at and they miss the process and and therefore they don't really learn or enjoy it while they're there. And and it puts you in a state of constant improvement. You've talked about like the growth mindset or the yet mentality. And I think that's really apparent in what you're doing. And by by choosing to make things easier for yourself makes it so you can be more consistent in the future. I, I really love that. It also sounds like from what you said earlier, it yet can be challenging to find guests. But if you're always looking for guests really creatively, um, that can be an easy way to meet people who wouldn't normally be on the radar. Is that right? Yeah. And I mean, it is, and I know you uh, others have mentioned this point, but I think it's, it's very true. And I would echo it that like, is there, is there any better excuse to reach out to somebody who you find to be awesome? Even if it's like a, if it's a stretch for you, if it's somebody who's beyond, you know, you, you don't have a big audience or reason for that person to do the podcast, but you reach out to them and essentially the pitch is like, Hey, I think you're awesome will you come have a conversation with me on my podcast so we can showcase you? I mean, even if that's not the exact words you're using, that's effectively what a, an interview request is on a podcast. So of course, a lot of people are going to end up saying yes to that, including people that you wouldn't have expected to say yes. And that I think is like, it's almost an easier pitch than like, Hey, can I, uh, you know, can we have coffee? Or, you know, can, can I pick your brain a little bit the way that you might from a networking standpoint? So for me, that that has been by and large the, the biggest value from doing guest podcasts by far has been that ability to reach out to people, to have an excuse to reach out to people, and then subsequently to form these new connections and relationships with people that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So important and something that we talked a lot about in season one is not just who you reach out to, it's the way you do it. 
And just like you said, like if you're reaching out and you're highly complimentary, you're already familiar with that person's work. Um, you, you tell them how amazing they are and that you want to promote them. It's so important to approach it that way. I mean, it's just like, you know, win friends and influence people kind of stuff. Like you really need to be complimentary of your guest, potential guests before they should come on. Don't have the expectation that they're going to be there and maybe, you know, say a few things that are very kind to them and show them that you really care about them and their work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I had even fairly recently, I had uh, Sam Lamott on my podcast and I love uh, what he puts out there in the world. And, and he's got his own podcast called the uh, How to Human podcast, which I, I think is really cool. And I reached out to him. And so in, in that instance, and this is my little, uh, my little, my secret, although he mentions it in, in the episode that, that we did together, but I, I actually, recorded a little video message that I sent to him. And it was, you know, words, very genuine words of exactly what I think of his show and his work and, and how much it meant to me and, and asking if he'd consider being on my show. And he's somebody I, I never would have expected to say yes, but he did. And he later then on the show said that he was really touched by, by the, the message and he could tell that it was, was really genuine. And, I think also maybe because it came through on video, I, I I feel like that can sometimes be like a little warmer than a cold email in a way because it puts a, a face to the name and a voice to the to the name. So so by far, I think it's something that that you actually, if you do take the time, rather than say blasting ten people, if you took you know two or three times as much time and just. And, and just reached out very selectively and thoughtfully to two or three people, you're probably going to have more success doing that. And so that at least that's, that's been something that's, that's worked reasonably well for me. I love that, dude. That's so creative and awesome. And what a great way to approach somebody that you really wanted to have on your show. That must have meant a lot to him. You know, we think some of these people are untouchable and yeah, they might get a lot of requests, but if you can, you know, really make yourself stand out by taking a little bit more time, like you said, I think that's wonderful advice and such a cool, <laughs> such a cool story of a great way to get a guest on your show. Um, I'm curious on the hardware side of things. Is there anything that you find to be really important and worth the money or anything that you find to be like totally overrated? Well, so I think baseline, obviously microphone getting, you know, a decent level quality microphone is wor worth it, but you don't have to spend a whole lot to get there. And you've done a great job, I think, uh, there. So I agree with all the, the advice that you've given there. To be honest, I think my one ad that I would, I would put out there. And I don't know if you guys, I know you've, you've talked about this with guests, but the room echo is something that so many people suffer with. And actually like, it's so, it's such a small thing to do that can have such an outsized impact is just really pay attention to where you record and to like clean up the quality of your space just a little bit. So in my case, like I'm in a room that has terrible echo. If it was not for the fact that I invested in some just moving blankets that I like hang up and kind of create a little bit of like a makeshift studio, you could call it, call it, and it dampens the room echo a ton, it makes a huge difference in terms of just making it go from like sounding like, you know, somebody's recording in their shower or something like that to, to sounding like it's, it's sort of closer to studio quality. So that to me was worth the investment. 
you know, you, I think you've mentioned recording like with some clothes. So it, you don't even have to necessarily spend money. It could be a matter of finding the right place in your house where you have carpets and furniture and pillows. And you can put, sometimes people will put like um, pillows in the corner of the room. Cause I guess if you kind of dampen the corners of the room, you can, you can remove a lot of echo, but it goes a long way. And that would be my like biggest, probably pet peeve as a podcast listener is people who maybe don't, don't, put in a little bit of effort to kind of improve the the room quality of their sound, which could go so far to make it a little bit uh, more pleasing to the ears. That's a great point. I didn't know that about corners, actually. But yeah, you're right. Like what a low hanging fruit to make your sound, you know, so much better. It's, it's like you said, you don't even need to spend any money. You probably have enough of those soft objects around um, to be able to create that for yourself. I think that's a I think that's a great piece of advice as well. Um, two part question. What was your biggest podcast failure moment? Something you can look back on and maybe <laughs> chuckle about now. And what is your favorite podcast moment that you've had so far? Oh gosh. Um, my probably, well, I'll say I have two, two podcast failures, one specific and, and one more, maybe more general. The specific one was I, um, I actually did record one episode that I was just, it was like late at night. I felt I was, I was not in a good headspace at all. And I just felt like, well, I got to get, you know, I'm, I was trying to meet a, a you know, a, the goal of getting a podcast out by a certain date and I didn't have anything uh, already loaded and I was, I had fallen way behind. So I just recorded something, no prep. And it was just, it was awful. And I put it out there without <laughs> like, what was I thinking? I, I, you know, I never even really listened to it again. I kind of just like chunked it together and I just put it out there. And ne next day I had, uh, I had like, anyway, you know, I was just, I thought I was just being kind of a little funny, punch drunk, whatever. It, people totally misinterpreted it. And I had, you know, a couple of people, like one of my uh, good friends who listens to the podcast texted me the next day and, you know, dude, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, all right, something's wrong here. I better take this one down. So that was my, uh, that was probably my, my biggest podcast failure. Yeah. And I, you know, it was, a, it was such a good learning though, of, of just like sleep on it, sleep on it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I, I gotta say though, I also feel like, um, another kind of thing I would put in the failure camp. And, and it's something I reflect on right now, actually quite a bit, which is, um, maybe I'll frame it as, as a, as, a, as like a, a lesson learned, which is be really, if you can be really crisp about your, your niche. Like it's so much better to be something like you are the podcast to listen to about classic horror movies or, you know, how to maximize travel award points or, you know, whatever your idiosyncratic thing is that you love that you could talk about forever, like make that your domain and you will, you will find your tribe and all that good stuff it is like marketing one-on-one, right? It's so much better to be like number one in your tiny corner of the world than it is to be either, I'll say like a lot of people out there I know are kind of like, uh, you know, sort of, I'm going to be like Rogan or Howard Stern and I'm just going to jam on whatever with whoever. Like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. I mean, you may, and it's fine. And, and to each his own, if you're, if, if that's what you're after, but, um, it, it's, it's probably if, if your goal is to also try to, 
uh, attract listenership in addition to it just being enjoyable for you, then being thoughtful about that, I think is really important. And that's something I don't think I did enough. And I even am reflecting on that right now because I, I, I have asked some people, hey, what do you think about the show? Like if you had to describe my show, how would you describe it? And the answers are too different. And that's like a red flag right there uh, that it's not sufficiently focused. And so I could, I can, I'm really thinking about as I draw this season to a close, how do I want to become a little bit more focused and crisp when I go into the next season? Mm. Wow. That's also really great advice. I love how, you know, I use the word failure, but you use it as a learning. I, I really love that approach and just understanding that, yeah, I make mistakes, but that's how we learn and grow and progress. What about a favorite podcast moment? Gosh, I think, um, I, I can't, I can't narrow down. Uh, I, I can't, I was going to say definitely I have up there with, with like connecting with people. Like I said earlier, it would, would be something I want to say, but it'd be so hard to choose because really I feel that way about, about lots of people who I've managed to connect with. So I guess I would have to say then probably for me, it goes back to that finally back home episode. It was like, you know, taking a little bit of a creative risk and putting something out there that is not, it is not what I would normally do and not something I've ever shown people, you know, a side of me that I've, I've never shown people before. And just to kind of get over that and put that out there was such a good, regardless of reception, right? And even if it had been something like crickets, like it sometimes is with, with putting out podcasts, you, it was more of like the, exercise in getting more comfortable with being authentic and with putting things out that are just true to you and what you feel called to do. That for me is a big part of what podcasting is doing for me as a personal growth and learning opportunity. Man, I'm so glad you decided to do that because the poem is very good. It's very well written. It's a little emotional, especially thinking about the time that you know we all went through uh, during the pandemic. And I'm I'm really glad you chose to do that. Some of my favorite podcast moments are where. Our guests, you know, they unlock something, they say something in a combination of words that haven't really registered before, and they unlock this, like, kind of learning inside, like, oh, wow, you just opened up something that maybe I'd thought about before or considered but didn't really understand until the person said it in such a cool way. And I can count on, you know, one hand the time that people have have done that that I can think back on. And one of those times was you. And and a question that I asked you, um, you know, paraphrasing, how do we know that what we're doing is pointing us in the right direction of what our calling should be. And the way you answered the question was so profound. I still remember it to this day. And you talked about find the fear and the fear will be the signpost to show you that this is what you need to do. Like you, you need to face your failure. I'm sorry, face your fears to, to find again, that, that life calling. And I'm wondering what kind of fear you have had to overcome to, you know, do your podcasts and put yourself out there in that way. I think for me, well, thank you for, for the kind words. I really appreciate that. I, I have had to, for me, a lot of it has, has to do with just getting over any fears of criticism and judgment. And a lot of people will say, Hey, you know, nobody, nobody really cares. Uh, you know, you're, it's all overblown in your head anyway. And so, you know, just get comfortable, be you all that good stuff. And, and I think that there's some, there's truth to that, of course, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have those little inner 
uh, the inner critic that is all worried about, oh, you know, is this going to be, is this going to be embarrassing or, you know, is people going to judge me negatively or disapprove of me or whatever it is. And so for me, I think there's just something about getting more comfortable putting out there my story, who I am, kind of in all warts and all has been a really effective training in discomfort. And I'm still, it's still, it's an ongoing training because it's not like I, there's always a new edge. There's always, there's still topics that I haven't talked about that I would like to someday talk about that are going to push me. It's going to be a challenge for me to, to share some of that stuff as openly as I would want to. And so that to me has been the biggest area of fear and discomfort that podcasting has helped me overcome and is hopefully going to continue to help me overcome. Yeah, that's tremendous. It's like I said earlier, we do feel like we're on this journey with you because of your vulnerability. It makes it really um, easy to follow along with and and easy to recognize that we all have faults and flaws, but, but we're making progress and that's what's most important. And you do such a good job sharing that message. For the listener, can you tell them where they can find your show, um, where you want them to go to, to get your content and or connect with you? Yeah, I think the, the best place to route people is mikecav.com, M-I-K-E-K-A-V.com. And that's got like all links to the show and links to other content and links to the books and, and ways to connect with me as well. And so I think that's the best place to go. And Casey, I got to tell you, thank you, my man, for uh, having me on your show last time. I think I have to give you as some degree of credit for the fact that 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 most recent book hit number one, because it, clearly people bought it like the day or two after that podcast went out. Wow. And, yeah. So you're, you're, uh, you're influencing people. Your show is influencing people. <laughs> I told you if I have my lucky day, I'm going to take credit for it. So I guess I'll just take credit for that. And, uh, I'll expect to take share credit of for the, it right now. You're helping Dude. the little, the little guys like me out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Live> my dream. <laughs> well, that has nothing to do with me for sure. You do such great content, all of it in all different formats. And your message is, is wonderful. It's really hopeful. It's, it's something that I really enjoy. I never miss an episode of your podcast. Um, Mike, I, I just really appreciate you. I appreciate who you are as a human and how, again, open and vulnerable you are. And, and to be able to share that message on your wonderful podcast, the Fueled by Impact podcast, I, I just any chance I get to chat with you, is it's just been really enjoyable. And I so much appreciate you and your work. And we will link to all of that in the show notes. And man, thank you so much for appearing on the How to Make a Podcast podcast. We really appreciate you. Well, thank you, Casey, for all those kind words. And, and I, I echo those sentiments about you 100%. And I appreciate you giving me the chance to be on this podcast as well. So thanks. Absolutely. Always an honor. Thank you for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. Also, be sure to check out the show that made all of this possible, Boundless Body Radio, where we provide tons of helpful and informative content, feature incredible guests, and talk all about health and wellness. Cheers, and thank you for joining us on the How to Make a Podcast podcast.